The Lord puts words in our ears and our hearts as we continue in the Word of God. We want to read a selection together from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 17. Beginning at verse 20 to the conclusion of the chapter. Present moments in historical life. There's much unrest, perhaps nothing new, but certainly with respect to the conflicts in the Middle East, we hear in the broader church community about the talk of what to do with respect to end times and so forth, and that should never be far from us. And the Lord Jesus also then gives us instruction that we might keep a perspective in all these matters. And then beginning at verse 20, we hear the word of God speak to us this way. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he, as the Lord Jesus said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. They will say to you, look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed on that day. Let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? He said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Thus far, we are thankful to confess that while the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. I'd also like to invite you to turn to our confessional reading this morning from the Belgic Confession in the Trinity Hymnal on page 870. 
uh, Article 37, under the theme of the Last Judgment. Article 37, the last judgment. Finally, we believe, and I just pause there just for the people of the Lord to be able to say, to confess, we believe. Well, that's, that's a tremendous gift, a gift to believe. Finally, we believe, according to God's word, that when the time appointed by the Lord is come, which is unknown to all creatures, and the number of the elect is complete, our Lord Jesus Christ will come from heaven bodily and visibly as he ascended with great glory and majesty to declare himself the judge of the living and the dead. He will burn this old world in fire and flame in order to cleanse it. Then all human creatures will appear in person before that great judge, men, women, and children who have lived from the beginning until the end of the world. They will be summoned there by the voice of the archangel and by the sound of the divine trumpet. For all those who died before that time will be raised from the earth, their spirits being joined and united with their own bodies in which they lived. And as for those who are still alive, they will not die like the others, but will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, from corruptible to incorruptible, then the books, that is the consciences, will be opened and the dead will be judged according to the things they did in the world, whether good or evil. Indeed, all people will give account of all the idle words they have spoken, which this world regards as only playing games. And then, the secrets and the hypocrisies of men will be publicly uncovered in the sight of all. Therefore, with good reason, the thought of this judgment is horrible and dreadful to wicked and evil people, but it is very pleasant and a great comfort to the righteous and elect. Since their total redemption will then be accomplished, they will then receive the fruit of their labor and of the trouble they have suffered. Their innocence will be, only, will be openly recognized by all. They will see the terrible vengeance of God, that God will bring on the evil ones who tyrannized, oppressed, and tormented them in this world. The evil ones will be convicted by the witness of their own consciences and shall be made immortal, but only to be tormented in the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. In contrast, the faithful and elect will be crowned with glory and honor. The Son of God will confess their names before God his Father and the holy elect angels. All tears will be wiped from their eyes and their cause at present condemned as heretical and evil by many judges and civil officers 
will be acknowledged as the cause of the Son of God. And as a gracious reward, the Lord will make them possess a glory such as the heart of man could never imagine. So we look forward to that great day with longing in order to enjoy fully the promises of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Article 37, the Belgic Confession. Our considerations this morning, we, we deal with a theme that speaks of remembering, and that's certainly a common theme in the scriptures. Uh, often the Lord calls us to remember, to remember what he has done. And we think of what it is that we celebrate in the Lord's Supper when the Lord Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. When we heard the holy law of God, we, we heard that call to remember the Sabbath day as the people of the Lord entered the promised land. The Lord told them that they were to be careful to live according to his commands and that they should remember the whole way that the Lord their God had led them the 40 years in the wilderness. So this morning as we come to our text, a very short text from Luke 17 and verse 32, simply remember Lot's wife. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, during Jesus' public ministry, he was often asked about the coming kingdom of God. And those of the Jewish faith eagerly anticipated the arrival of this kingdom. And the Pharisees were no different. They and their many followers were like many other citizens of Palestine at the time who were looking forward to the arrival of an outward earthly, visible, political kingdom, one in which the Jews would occupy a very prominent place. They could hardly wait for its arrival. They were so anxious to know when it would be established that, that these religious leaders who were so opposed to Jesus were willing to ask even the one they despised, our beloved Savior, and to their question, Jesus, as he had done before, taught them that the, the kingdom of God was so much different than what they had imagined it to be. The kingdom that will finally be ushered in does not come with outward observation. That is to say, uh, one cannot, like a, a weather forecaster, predict its arrival. Yes, the kingdom will come, but not by conquering armies with the multitude of soldiers and their ornaments. Rather, it will come when the vast majority of people least think of the coming of the king and his kingdom. And while they are so busy with the ordinary pursuits of life that it catches them completely off guard. But the king will come, perhaps even in our own lifetime. And it will be as in the days of Noah, are we in those days? Certainly. 
In the days of Noah, when the flood came unexpectedly upon the earth with its devastating destruction, Noah had been preaching with his hammer for some 120 years, calling the people to the Lord. And it will be as in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah when brimstone without any warning suddenly rained down and devastated the inhabitants of the valley. Now our Savior often included warning in his teaching concerning the gospel of salvation. And no less today, any pulpit worth its salt must include warning for those who have ears to hear. And in the midst of his sermon about the coming of the Son of Man and his kingdom, the Lord Christ inserts a a very pointed, brief sentence in the English language of only three words. But it is a sentence full of meaning and admonition. Remember Lot's wife. And we do well to encourage each other, to challenge each other, to ask ourselves how we are to understand this word for our pilgrim journey in this world. Now, no doubt the story, the account is familiar to all of us. Uh, By using the example of Lot's wife, uh, the Lord Jesus at this time speaking to his disciples holds before his followers, holds before his disciples, followers this day, the fact that we should be so prepared for his return that in our thoughts, words, and deeds that the Lord Jesus would never be far from us, that he would be in the foreground, and even in our ordinary daily activities that that we conduct them with this thought fully before us that he is coming that he is coming and as we await that arrival a day closer today than yesterday that we would so live before the Lord in humility and in dependence upon his mercy and so may our great God once again Use his blessed holy word to impress the warning of Jesus in our hearts. And as we ponder these great things that the Lord gives us to listen to, we want to consider then remembering Lot's wife. And in the first place, we need to remember Lot's wife in her privileges. Then secondly, in her destruction, and thirdly, in her unbelief. First, then, remembering Lot's wife in her privileges, and there are several. And when we do that, it is not out of place to recall that Mrs. Lot was privileged far above most of the women of her day. Her first great privilege was that she was married to Lot, a nephew of Abraham, the friend of God. Lot, too, was one of the heavenly father's children, for we read in 2 Peter chapter 2 that God delivered righteous Lot. 
Lot, despite his, his many shortcomings and sins, was a God-fearing man. And the Bible makes it clear that Lot was, yes, wrong in pitching his tent towards Sodom and eventually living there. But the fact remains, he did go with Abraham to the land of Canaan because he believed in, in some sense that, that the covenant promises that, that God made to Abraham about the future coming of Christ and his kingdom were true. Mrs. Lawrence had a believing husband and she enjoyed the advantage of knowing what he believed and from what principles he lived. She, she knew his hopes and his love. <coughs> but being married to a Christian does not assure us of being a Christian ourselves nor does it guarantee that we will be heaven-bound to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Remember Lot's wife. In all our remembering, it's, it's a call to look forward, to act upon what we remember. <clears throat> and then we also note a, a second great privilege. Mrs. Lot was in the company of two of the heroes of faith. Both Abraham and Sarah are mentioned in the book of Hebrews as outstanding, God-fearing people who walked by faith. Abraham called the father of all believers, the friend of God. Abraham heard and obeyed the call of God to leave all and to go to the land that God would show him. Mrs. Lot, together with her husband, journeyed with Abraham and Sarah, and together they went up and down and throughout Canaan. Together they would have talked of God's command and his covenant promises. She saw Abraham and his unwavering faith throughout the years. This was a rare privilege shared only by those close to Abraham and Sarah. And indeed, to have the fellowship of Christian brothers and sisters in the faith, <clears throat> even as we may experience that here. To hear the good news, the gospel faithfully proclaimed, to receive uh, the sacraments, to have them administered amongst us, to enjoy then the communion of the saints, even as we experience hospitality, to go to a Christian school, to attend Sunday school and catechism classes, church societies, all immense, great privileges, but no guarantee that we are Christians. Mrs. Lott enjoyed these benefits according to the standards of her time, but she was not a Christian. Remember Lot's wife. A third privilege. She knew the story of the flood with its interpretation. She knew that the unbelieving world was punished for their ungodliness and that Noah with his seven relatives were saved. She knew church history and should have learned from it. And we too must consider the rare privilege of, of knowing the history of God's people, not only as it comes to us infallibly in the pages of the scripture, but also through the course of time as we find it on the pages of church history since the formation of the New Testament church at Pentecost. We may not be indifferent to that history. We need to know something of it. 
But this too is not an assurance that one belongs to the church of the living God. Remember Lot's wife. A fourth privilege, we must also notice that she experienced God's marvelous deeds of mercy. You recall that she and her husband had been taken captive. Genesis 14. Eventually rescued by Abraham. But no doubt, before the rescue, there would have been those anxious moments for her. Perhaps she even prayed for deliverance. But how many people in a moment of terror will not cry out to God even though they do not live for him day by day? How many soldiers in their foxholes pray with intensity but really do not have faith? Foxhole religion and true faith are not the same things. Remember Lot's wife. Then the fifth place, she had been a hostess to angels. What a great privilege. On the eve before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, two angels came to lodge in her home. No other person in the entire history of the Bible had overnight visitors as she did. Yes, Abraham entertained angels, but they did not stay for the night. And Mrs. Lot saw these angels in the work of mercy and in the work of judgment. She saw the inhabitants struck blind by by God's power so that they did not enter the home. She knew that God meant business when she with Lot were told to urge the engaged friends of their daughters to come with them and flee, flee from the wrath and the judgment that was to come upon the cities. She entertained angels. But let us remember that she was not prepared to meet her God when sudden destruction came upon her world. What privileges she enjoyed. And yet the Lord Jesus calls to the demise of the disciples, to us. He uses her, as it were, as a warning to all who have ears to hear in the context that speaks of the sudden coming of the Son of Man at the end of time. Let us never forget, congregation, with privilege comes great responsibility if sudden destruction were to come upon us, whether that be what what we call an accident or, or through heart failure or through sickness. May it be that we shall not open our eyes in the place where Lot's wife is already now suffering the pains of untold regrets, agony. Let us not forget Lot's wife in her privileges. Then let us in the second place remember Lot's wife in her destruction. It was a sudden destruction. Here she was on the way to escape. From all outward appearances, she was now safe. Yes, it had been hard to depart, but the two angels had convinced Lot and Mrs. Lot and their two daughters engaged to be married to flee 
The Bible tells us that, that these angels even took their hands and, as it were, uh, pulled them along. But whether it was curiosity, pity, or longing for the things that were left behind, her heart, her heart was still in Sodom. And she could not resist from looking back. Oh, for one last look. And then suddenly, in the twinkling of an eye, she was destroyed and stood in the presence of her creator where she had to give an account for the things done in the body. An account for all her privileges. Indeed, two will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other will be left. Mrs. Lot was taken. Lot was left. And this is the way it will be once again when the Lord Jesus returns in his second coming, bringing with him the kingdom of God in full. Now, not only was her destruction sudden, it was also final. When she became that pillar of salt, she never had another opportunity for repentance to make amends. She could never again hear the gospel from the lips and heart of her husband. She could never again hear Abraham tell about the sweet promises of the faithful covenant God and how precious it was to be a friend of God. Never again would she be permitted to entertain angels. Instead, she would be doomed to the companionship of those in hell where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. She would be in the presence of demons. Yes, the Bible tells us, teaches us, it is appointed for a man to die once and then the judgment. The Bible says today, today while you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart. For Mrs. Lot, there was a tragic finality of which she had no recourse and of which you and I, we may never, never forget. Jesus made reference to her life, to his disciples. He wasn't speaking to the Pharisees at this point, although the message would apply. He's speaking to his disciples for the very purpose that they would be warned. And so that we too might be prepared and we must prepare for the coming of the fullness of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Mrs. Lot may have had historical faith, but she did not have saving faith. In fact, it would seem that Mrs. Lot felt right at home in Sodom. She was not prepared for the judgment to come. And Jesus, by his word to us in Luke 17, reminds us to be ready when he comes. Yes, again, she took only but one look and it's all that it took. Inwardly, Mrs. Lot yearned for those whom she left behind and in the end she got what she wanted in the moment, in her moment of death. She joined those of Sodom and Gomorrah whom the Lord destroyed because of their wickedness. Just three words. But these words bring us back into scripture's history and serve to push us forward into the time, to the day when the Savior will suddenly come upon the clouds 
And in the twinkling of an eye, we shall stand before the judgment seat. Boys and girls, when it's a, a cloudy day, do you ever look at those clouds and, and wonder, will Jesus be one of those next clouds to come? Our Savior has instructed us to be ready for this hour. And congregation, it's good for us to, to search our hearts and ask now, are we ready for this hour? Are we so prepared that we too can be called out of time and into eternity at a moment's notice. And then finally, in the third place, let us remember Lot's wife and her unbelief. The sad thing about Mrs. Lot is not that she turned into a pillar of salt, but in terms of her scale of values, she placed earth above heaven and material things above spiritual. Her heart was worldly. It was one with the citizens of Sodom and and not one with the heart of her husband, not one with the principles of the kingdom. Her treasure was in in, in the world. And and Jesus has has said, uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In unbelief, she lived for this life and and didn't think enough about the life to come. We might say she was an example of the outwardly, morally fine people of the world, some who may even go to church for the sake of respectability and the enjoyment of being respectable. We call them the worldly Christian. She was not an unbeliever in the sense that she militantly fought against the cause of Christ as we we see so many in our society do and increasingly so. But rather in the sense that she never really enjoyed singing the songs of Zion or bearing forth the confession of faith engaged in the study of God's word. Blessed to be a blessing in the giving of gifts or the attentive listening to the preaching of the word of God. The things of God were not a positive power in her life. And this unbelief became evident when uh, the angels taking her by the hand and giving her the specific command not to look back, she disobeyed. She rejected the word of the Lord. And so we see that she was an unbeliever in the sense that the word of God was not a power in her heart to salvation. She shows, as, as one pastor noted, that there's a difference between a believer who, 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 who believes a, a, the Bible historically or thinks that he or she believes and a true believer who believes the scriptures unto salvation. The pull of the world was too much for her. No sooner had the angels gone, no sooner had they let go of her hand than she began to wonder about her goods that are being burned or about her friends that were dying. She, she failed to think about how marvelous God was in sending her and her family this blessed warning to flee from the wrath to come. She had a backward, worldly look instead of that forward, heavenly look. 
She looked in spite of the warning. She looked because in the inward core of her heart, she remained unconverted. She remained an unbeliever despite her, her rich heritage and the experiences that were hers. And she died as an unbeliever and received an unbeliever's reward. Remember Lot's wife. Because most of us gathered here this morning in the Lord's house have experienced far more, far more privilege than Mrs. Locke reared in a Christian home, taught the Bible, biblical preaching and teaching, catechism classes, Christian education, the record of church history. Indeed, the scriptures in our hand that tell us of those who have gone before us, the scriptures that record for us the work of the Savior. And all of this we must think of our Savior. The Bible tells us that as Jesus journeyed to Jerusalem, to offer himself as that final sacrifice, the complete sacrifice for our atonement, even as we prayed together to the Lord earlier in worship, that great atonement price. He set his face like flint, like flint. There was no turning back. There was no turning back. We think of what it is that we read in the opening words of Hebrews chapter 12. Following that great account of by faith, by faith, by faith. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here it is. Looking, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's our comfort congregation. The Lord Jesus has come, gone on ahead before us. And he has submitted himself to the wrath of God on our behalf. But he gives us a calling. And we must answer it if the Lord Jesus should come tomorrow and we should know the day before that he is coming, will we be glad about his coming or sorry because there is so much we think we might lose. We have a beautiful home and it, that would be a bit sad that it would be destroyed, a prosperous farm that would no longer be ours. Perhaps you, you have some friends in the world whose companionship you, you might think you might miss. What, what Jesus held before his disciples long ago and also his disciples gathered in his courts here this morning is that we should be very prepared very prepared for his return so that it is never far from us that conviction, Jesus is coming. 
Jesus is coming and the kingdom in its fullness will appear. May it not be, brothers and sisters, that there are among us those who who have entangled themselves into this world. Does it still trouble us that most of our fellow citizens desecrate the Lord's day? Are we alarmed at, at the social tensions which takes life so lightly in our own nation? Our own nation now, one of the leading nations in, in not only promoting, but also in acting upon uh, medical assistance in dying, as they call it, assisted suicide, uh, euthanasia. In all the temptations that we face, remember Lot's wife. And let the wife of Lot warn us against half-heartedness, that, that we would, be, would not be one of those who have too much of the Christian religion to be happy in the world and too little to be happy in the church. Such people are still worldly and are like Mrs. Lot in their inmost being. This is a warning from our Lord, a warning that's very clear. And there's that word of encouragement for in realizing the truth, we are driven again to our Savior. He who gave his life so that we might receive ours. He who calls us to himself to trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Jesus is not simply warning, he's urging us to, to trust him and to escape from the wrath to come. And he is urging us to look forward, to look forward to that great day of days. He's calling us to keep our eye on the treasure. It's not an attitude of take it or leave it, but, but a gracious call to escape from the wrath to come by taking up his yoke and learning of him so that in him we might find rest for our souls a gracious invitation to examine our hearts whether we be ready if he should come upon the clouds in that unexpected moment. Lot's wife was not ready. She was not prepared for the last judgment. And we need to ask ourselves, am I? Are you? How shall we escape? If we neglect such a great salvation, remember Lot's wife. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee that the word of God speaks to every situation that we experience in life, even as we look forward, moving from time to eternity. We pray, Lord, that we would know what it is to be in earnest as we prepare for eternity. That our preparations may so be rooted in the, fi in the final finished work of the Lord Jesus here on earth. And that our preparations may be such that we 
are indeed a people who look forward to what we may receive in the coming of our Lord. We pray, Lord, for the many in our own neighborhoods that know nothing of the glorious gospel call. Lord, provide opportunities for us, open doors so that we may enter them to speak of the urgency, the urgency of heeding the word of the Lord. Father in heaven, we ourselves often struggle with the distractions of this world. And we can get so busy with what we are busy with that we lose sight of what is yet to come. So help us, Lord, we pray. Grant thy Holy Spirit in our lives that we may be so prodded and prompted to to keep the Lord's call before us at all times. We thank thee for the gospel promise that the Lord Jesus is coming and we, Lord, rejoice to receive that day. Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Hear our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray.